following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. I want to talk uh, with you about what it means for us to be a church family. I'm not going to talk about visions and plans and strategies and all of that today. There's a time for that. But today I just want to talk to you personally, practically, about what it means for you and I to be a part of this church family here at Shore Community Church. What it means for us to be members of this church. It might seem a little bit strange because we don't actually have a formal system of membership at Shore. Uh, you might come from a church where that happens, where there's, there's a membership practice and you sign something or you go through an interview, there's like a formalized process. We don't have that here. But just because we don't have an organized process of membership doesn't, be- doesn't mean we don't believe in the substance of being a church member. It doesn't mean we don't believe in biblical membership. Uh, in my family, for example, uh, Ezra has not applied to be a member of our family. He hasn't signed anything yet. He hasn't gone through a job interview. Uh, but he is a member of our family. He's born into our family very much a member. In the early church, in the New Testament era of the church, they didn't have a formal membership system or structure, as far as we know. And yet, Paul says in Ephesians, you are members of Christ's body. You are members of one body. There was the substance of what it meant to be a member, even without a formal organized system. So I want to just talk to you at a personal level, not a structural level, not a a systems kind of level, just personally, practically, what it means for you and I to be members of this particular local church. And I want to do that using the image of a family, because that's a good biblical metaphor for the church, one of several we find in the New Testament. Believers are often referred to as being part of the family of God, or the family of believers, and those ties of kinship that bind us together are really strong. In some ways, you get the impression in the Bible, those are are our primary kinship ties to one another. Uh, Jesus said, This is my mother, my brothers, my sister, the ones who do the will of God. Jesus saw his primary family unit as those who are united to him around uh, around the Father, around God. So we're going to talk about the church as a family, and in particular, to make this practical and to make this contemporary, I want to use the image of a family home, a family home that has three primary spaces to it, the foyer, the living room, and the kitchen. Now, I know some of you have just nodded off because you've heard this before, and you've heard me talk about this before, and you're familiar with this, and that's okay. Please, please, please don't log on to Facebook just for a minute. Just, just stay with me for a minute before you go for some quality Facebook time. And this is especially important if you've heard it before, especially, because what I want to ask you to do as we look at these spaces is think about where you were last time we talked about it, and think about whether you've moved. Think about what the journey has been like since then. That's really valuable, because then you've got a previous reference point. But the whole, the whole thing is supposed to be a journey. What this, what this diagram, this picture does, it gives you an impression of what a person's journey is or is supposed to be as they become a fully functioning family member in this church community. Because that's not an instant thing. You don't suddenly become a full family member the day you walk in the door. Not for most people anyway. Usually it's a process. Usually it's a journey. It's pretty organic. 
It involves different things, and it's very fluid, and that's why these are overlapping circles. But in general, the process looks something like this. You don't go through each of these as like a ticket off in a box kind of thing. It's, you don't always know when you're moving from one to the next. But in general, this charts the course of a person's journey or their intended journey to becoming a family member, part of this church as a, as a member, as a functioning member. So I want to talk about each of these spaces, foyer, living room, kitchen. And as I go through, I want you to think about where you are because every single one of us are in one of these circles right now. Every one of us are somewhere in this picture. So I want you to be thinking, where am I and where am I heading? Where am I going to be? So to start off, the foyer. The foyer is, it begins at the point when you first come into contact with this church in any way. And the great thing about our church is we're only, what, 16 years old now, so everyone can pretty much remember the first contact they had with this church. Very few people have grown up in this church. So I want you to think for a minute, what was the first contact you had with Shaw? What was the first initial entry point? Maybe it was coming along to a Sunday service. Maybe it was seeing our Connection Point TV program. Maybe attending mainly music. Maybe some other church event. Maybe a life group. Some people go to a life group first and check that out before they come to the main church. What was the first entry point for you into the life of the church? That is the beginning of the foyer. The foyer is a place and a space and a a time when you are exploring and investigating Shore as your church home. And everybody goes through that. For some people, it's a very short amount of time. For some people, it's a much longer period of time. That's okay. But it's that space where you're just checking the church out and you're trying to figure out, is this the place where I could really see myself settling down? Is this really going to be my church home? And there's a number of ways that you might go about that, a number of things you might try. Coming along to a service is an obvious one, just being part of the worshiping community here and just seeing what that experience is like. Uh, A lot of people want to take their kids out to the kids' programs and see how that goes and see what the setup is out there if you're a family Some people want to join a life group in that foyer in the early days and just see, are these the kind of people, are these a bunch of Fruit Loop people or are these people I could actually see myself spending some time with, enjoying their company and settling down in this church? And some people want to come along to some other kind of church event just to be a part of the place and and see what's going on. There's a range of choices people might make, but they're in that foyer place, just still deciding. Next week, we've got our newcomers lunch and it's one of the favorite things about my job is I get to sit down every month with people just coming into the church for the first time and hear their stories and hear how God's led them here. And many of them are still in the foyer. They're they're deciding. They haven't even made up their mind yet as to whether this is going to be their church home. And it's great to have those conversations. And that newcomer's lunch is part of that, learning and discovering and investigating the church. Now, when people are in the foyer, let me just say this before we move on. When people are in the foyer, we treat them as guests, but not consumers. I think that's really important distinction. If, if you have someone round to your house for dinner, if you have someone round and you want to get to know them, you don't, when they first come in the door, you don't give them a flyer that tells them how scrumptious the meal's going to be and how stimulating the conversation is going to be and how well behaved your children are going to be. That would be weird. You don't market yourself to people that are coming into your home. What do you do? You get to know them. Right? You engage them in conversation. You want to welcome them. It's relational. That's who we are. And we want you to know, if you're in this foyer space today, we're not going to treat you as a consumer, not even from day one. 
Because we believe the whole consumer mindset is so problematic, and especially in the church. So we will treat you as a guest and welcome you. That's what we want to do, right? Welcome and connect and take an interest and engage in conversation. All those good relational things. That's what the foyer is about, to help people feel welcomed and help them feel comfortable as part of our church community so that they can make an informed decision as to whether this is the church that God's calling them to settle down in. So that's the foyer space. Now, at some point in that journey, at some point in your journey maybe, you get to a point where you've got to make a decision. You've got to decide if you're actually going to be a part of this church, if this is the church you want to stay in. And if you decide it is, then that is the point when you move from the foyer into the living room. In the foyer, people are guests. In the living room, they become friends. This is the point when you have decided, yep, I'm going to stay in this church. I'm going to unpack my bags here. I'm going to settle down here. This is my church home. This is where God's called me and my family. This is where we're going to be. And then from there, the most important thing in the living room is connecting into the life of the church. You're not checking it out anymore. You're not investigating. You don't have your checklist out anymore. Now you're here. You're part of it. And now you want to have the experience of being part of this church community and connecting with others in the church, connecting into the life of the church so that you're really part of the action. A couple of things that are really important in the living room. One is connecting with other people. It's so important. When you decide you're going to be here, that you start making friends. You start making friends here. This is a a huge thing that will help to keep you anchored here over the long haul, is that you've got some connections with other people. Great way to do that is life groups. We've got a bunch of different groups, different types of people, demographics, geographics, whatever, and it's a great way, outside of the Sunday context, to start connecting with people, form some friendships, get yourself into proximity with other people so you can really do life together and start connecting. The other thing that is important in the living room is that in some way you begin participating and contributing in the life of the church. You're not in that kind of guest mindset anymore where you're just here to see how things go. Now in the living room, you're a friend. And one of the things that friends do is help out and contribute and be a part of the place. And the great thing with beginning to serve and beginning to contribute is... One, that it connects you again with other people and that it helps the functioning of the church. I don't know whether you've ever had the experience of going around to a a good friend's house for dinner or maybe going around to family for dinner and you offer to do something and they they say, no, 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 it's okay. Anyone had this experience? You offer, you know, can I cut some veggies? Can I get some drinks organized? And they say, no, 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 you just sit there. It's fine. You just sit there. We'll we'll wait on you. What, What would you like to drink? Now, what happens in that, in that situation? How does it make you feel? You, you feel alienated a lot of the time, don't you? Because one of the things that happens when you begin to participate is you feel part of the place. If you go around to someone's house and you can chop some veggies and you can toss the salad and you can organize some drinks, it helps you gain a sense of solidarity and belonging with those people. It actually helps the relationships. It's the same in the church family. If you choose to stay at a distance and you choose not to participate and not to engage, it will be a distancing thing. It's not just about, well, the church won't be as well off or you're not serving or whatever. It's that it will be distancing for you. It will be hard 
for you to really gain a sense of identity with this place because serving brings you into that, brings you into the life of the church and develops a stronger sense of belonging in the church family. So the living room is intended to be a space where we begin connecting with other people, connecting with the life of the church, and in some way, maybe just in a very small way, start contributing, start serving. But the kitchen, uh, the living room, is not the final destination. And this, I think, is one of the biggest problems churches have, is that people get stuck in the living room, because it's a comfortable place to be. You're a friend of the church in the living room. But it is not the intended goal. This journey is supposed to take you through the foyer, through the living room, and into the kitchen. In the foyer, people are guests. In the living room, people are friends. In the kitchen, people are family. And it is in the kitchen that you become a fully functioning family member of this church. It's not an extra for experts type thing. This is not like if you're really super holy, then you might progress on to the kitchen. It's not like if you've just got a huge amount of time, a huge amount of money, and you really want to be a spiritual giant, then you go on to the kitchen. Being in this kitchen space is just normal and expected for those who are part of our church community. And I just want to be clear with that. I want to be upfront with that. That if you've made the decision, this is my church home, and if you've been here more than, say, a year or so, then it is normal and it is expected that you will be in this kitchen space. This is being a church member in the biblical sense. This is being part of a church family in the biblical sense. And so I want to talk about what it means to be in the kitchen. And I want to do that using three commitments. These are not things you sign there's no organized process to sit down and tick a box. We ask you to make these commitments at a heart level. If this is your home church, if this is where God's called you, if you've been here a little while now, we ask that you make these commitments as being part of a church community. And these commitments I'm taking from a little book called I Am a Church Member by Tom Rayner. And he articulates these better than I could, so I'm going to use his language here. He's got six commitments. I've just boiled it down to three. But here is what it means to be a church family member at Shore. Number one, I will be a functioning member, giving cheerfully and serving without hesitation. So there's a couple of things in there. Uh, one is financial giving, and this can get a bit awkward, can't it? Now the room's gone quiet, and you start talking about money, and we don't ramp it up here. We don't obsess over money. We don't hype this up, but neither do we neglect it and just you know, shove it under the carpet. Money is just a normal part of life. And being a financial contributor is a normal part of being in a church family. It's the same in your family. Income comes in, and that income is used for the functioning of your family. And the church family is made up of individuals and families who have income and revenue streams. And the scriptural model is that a portion of that income is contributed to and set aside for the work of the local church. It's a scriptural model. It's part of your discipleship in following Jesus. It's good for you. And it's part of the church being a healthy, functioning community and sustaining the operations, ministry, staff, property, and so on of the church. It's just a normal part of church life, being a, a financial contributor. And I know it's not an easy commitment to make. I know that. I know that firsthand. I know that it's hard. I know that it would be a lot easier to use that money on the mortgage. I know it would be a lot easier to use that money on the groceries or the car repairs, whatever it is. 
But honestly, I can say firsthand that God honors us and looks after us and sustains us when we make this commitment to give the first fruits of what he's given us back to him through giving to the local church that he's placed us in. And we've seen, Anna and I have seen this time and time again, God's sustaining hand. I'm not talking about prosperity doctrine, God's going to give you back tenfold from what you give. It's not that, it's just I believe God is deeply glorified when you make this commitment. That he's, he's honored by it and pleased by it, that you're not choosing to be a member here just with your head or with your mouth or with your feet, but even with your wallet. Sometimes the wallet's the last thing to get redeemed in our lives, right? It's, it's sometimes the hardest thing, and, and maybe that indicates where our real treasure is. But this is part of being a church family member. And I want to encourage you, I want to ask you this year, that if you are not practicing this, if you are not giving yet, and this is your church home, this is the year for you, I want to ask you to make this the year, the year that you start. And that means making it a priority in your household budget. It means you don't leave it to the, the, the final thing after everything else is calculated. It means you prioritize giving to the local church. It's the big rock that you put in first. And it means that you decide at the outset on a percentage of your income that you will contribute to the church. I'm not going to give you the magic number, but a percentage of your income that you contribute. And it doesn't depend on what you happen to have in your pocket on Sunday morning. It doesn't depend on whether you've had some big bills this past week. You decide, I'm going to give this percentage of my income to the church. And you set up a system to do that, usually an online AP, that you can give faithfully over the course of the year, regardless of the little ups and downs in the budget as you go along. I want to ask you to put that system in place this year. If you're a part of this church family, if you're a member of this church, if this is your church home, to become a financial giver here as part of this community. The second part of that commitment is serving without hesitation. And there's a bit of a mindset shift, I think, between serving in the living room and serving in the kitchen. When you're serving in the living room space, you're kind of helping out. You know, you're doing a favor, you're pitching in, you're lending a hand. When you're in the kitchen, you're really family, really. And, and, and this is, I think, the single most important attitude to grasp as part of a church. We are family together. We're all equal family members. Each night in our family, we've got this pack-up ritual, which takes about 10, 15 minutes. Usually you can barely see the carpet because there's so many toys all over the place. And we just have this ritual of, of, of everyone in our house, except Ezra at the moment, because he's five weeks. We're letting him off the hook for a while. But everyone pitches in. And Lawson's putting some Duplo away in the box, and Josh is packing up trains. And, and we want to try and instill this value in them that they're not doing that just to help out mum and dad. They're doing it because they're part of the family. And this is who we are as a family. So we ask that if you're part of the family, that we together share the ministry of the church, that it doesn't rest on the shoulders of a few, but that we all choose together to serve, to willingly and cheerfully serve without hesitation in some area of the church. And so again, I want to ask you, I want to challenge you this year, if you're not involved in that, if you're not part of a serving team at Shore, make this the year to do that, make this the year to step forward. You've got a flyer in your bulletin today, and what I've done this year, we've done it different ways, what I've done this year is just put down there some just key areas. It's not an exhaustive list of every ministry in the church. That's over on the carousel if you want it. But this is just some key areas in the church where there are opportunities right now to serve. Range of different things, different time commitments, times of the week, whatever. But there are some opportunities right now, and if you're not involved in serving, have a look at those as a first step, as a start. Tick one of those boxes. You can put that in the offering when it's taken up a little bit later on or over in the box there. But step into this. 
Don't let this just go out of your mind and fade into the distance. Decide that you will be a fully functioning family member of this church this year. Now, commitment number two, and you'll be pleased to know this is not adding another thing to your plate, okay? Commitment number two is really about who we are in the context of the church, and it's this. I will be a unifying member, avoiding gossip and negative talk, and promoting forgiveness and unity. It's so important. And of course, I mean, we ask this of people who are in the foyer and the living room, but it's especially important of people who are in the kitchen. Just think about how you want people in your family to talk about each other. Just think about how you want people in this church to talk about you when you are not present and you start to get an idea. As a church, we want to be building a culture of affirmation. We want to speak words of edification, not only towards one another, but especially about one another when, when the other person is not present. Because I know how easy it is. I know you're sitting around as friends, sitting around in your life group, sitting around the family table, and the conversation gets onto the church, gets onto someone in the church, gets onto a ministry in the church, whatever, something about the church, and it starts to get negative. And it starts to get critical, and it just goes into this spiral. And some, see, we know how to do this. We know how to play this game. Sometimes it's not even explicit comments, is it? It's a little innuendo. It's a little illusion. It's a little tone of voice. It's a little roll of the eyes. We know how to play the game to send the signal to someone else about what we don't like without being overtly insulting. And I'll just tell you honestly, guys, that stuff is toxic. It's just cancerous in the church. It really is at every level. It is cancerous. And I just want to ask you honestly as your pastor to promote a culture of words that build up and not words that tear down. When you're talking about other people in the church, that you choose kind words. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't question something if there's something you are not happy with. doesn't mean you can't push back on something. doesn't mean you can't lovingly confront if that's required. That's all good and biblical, but it needs to be done in the right way. And that means going to the person concerned directly. Not giving an ear to it from someone else, not talking about it with your friends or your life group. You go to the person. And there's a biblical model in Matthew 18 of how that can happen. The elders around, if necessary, to help mediate, facilitate those conversations. And if someone comes to you and they want to have a grizzle and a gripe and a whinge and a moan and a groan, I'm asking you not to give an ear to it. I'm asking you to encourage them to go to the person concerned. And if they haven't got anywhere with that and it's still frustrating, then they can involve the elders of the church as appropriate. But I'm asking you not to give an ear to it to do what you can to be a unifying church member. The unity of the church is just so vital. Shines through the New Testament as one of the most important things we can be doing together, promoting and facilitating a unified community where we speak well of each other, both when we are present together and when we are apart, talking to other people. And the final commitment is this. I will treasure church membership as a gift rather than treating it as a legalistic obligation. And I think that needs to be said because maybe this can look like a list of duties or works or whatever, but I just ask you to, to step back at the end of all this and just remind yourself Jesus loves the church. Jesus really loves the church. And he, more than anyone, knows how imperfect the church is, right? I mean, Jesus knows that the church is a flawed community full of imperfect people like you and me that stumbles along sometimes and it's full of all kinds of problems and issues. But Jesus loves the church. He died for the church. He calls the church his bride. And I mean church big C, the global 
historical community of God's people. He died for the church. One day he's coming back for the church as his bride. He loves the church enough to be called her bridegroom. And if Jesus loves the church, and if we love Jesus, then shouldn't we also love the church for whom he died? And that means, I think, seeing it as a privilege that God has placed us in a local community. And if this does not end up being the church that God calls you to, if you're still in the foyer, that's fine. It's not all about being part of this church. But whatever local church God has placed us in, that we see it as a gift and a privilege, as an opportunity not to get for ourselves, not to consume religious goods and services, but as an opportunity to truly serve God, opportunity to serve others, an opportunity through the church to serve our communities, neighborhoods, and our world, and an opportunity to be part of something that is greater than ourselves. Jesus loves the church, and so should we. So I want to ask you just to think about these three spaces again. And we just put them back up there, Detlef, the foyer, the living room, the kitchen. I want to just ask you to think about where you are, and I want to encourage you and challenge you, whichever of these circles you're in this year, to take a step, to take one step. If you're in the foyer, I want to encourage you to step into the living room. And if it means the living room of another church, that's okay, because you're still deciding if this is the church home for you. But if it's the living room of this church, then I want to ask you to start taking some steps this year to become connected, build relationships, and begin to contribute. If you're in the living room and you're comfortable in the living room, I want to encourage you this year to take a step into the kitchen to become a fully functioning church member, part of the family here through giving, through serving, through being a unifying church member and through treating it all as a gift and a privilege. Whatever that next practical step is for you, I want to encourage you out of the living room and into the kitchen. And if you're in the kitchen, you might think, hey, I've got it made. I'm done. I'm sorted. I've arrived. Here is my challenge for you. I want to ask you this year to be really attentive to people back in the foyer and be really mindful of, of those people. And, and, and they're here. You're here today. Some of you foyer people. It'll be interesting for a show of hands. Hey, we won't do it. But if, if you are in the, in the kitchen or even the living room, I want to ask you really to tune in to people that are still on this pathway. I mean, we're all on the pathway, but people that are early on, just finding their way, like after the service, just be attentive to people that seem like they might still be in that exploring, deciding, unsure, disconnected space and move towards them with love and hospitality. Draw them into whatever social circle you're in. Take them out for lunch. Some of you do this really well. Just organically, relationally, naturally, not the kind of thing that we need a program for, but just as people of God, just take an interest in those that are coming through and maybe journey with someone through this pathway. Help them see what the next step might be for them and how they can, over time, journey through to being in the kitchen. So wherever you are, there's a step to take this year on this journey that we might be truly a family together as the body of Christ. And I want to finish this morning with a quote from St. Teresa of Avila, who's a Catholic nun in the 16th century. And she says this about the church. Reflect on this as we finish today. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. No hands but yours. No feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ's compassion is to look out to the earth. Yours are the feet by which he is to go about doing good. And yours are the hands by which he is to bless people now. May we be that kind of church community, church body, and church family together this year. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you died for the church, that you loved 
your people, you love the church so much, you're willing to lay down your life for her, to redeem us, to bring us into this new community. And God, it's so easy for us to all take it for granted, but we just take a moment to thank you for the privilege of being drawn in and brought into a family like this, a community of people that you've placed us and you've established us, a community of people who are stumbling forward towards Jesus, far from perfect, but just touched by your grace. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us each the clarity of what the next step in front of us is to becoming family members in this church. I pray wherever we are this morning, you would just make it clear to us how we can move closer to the heart of this church and through this church be a blessing into our communities and neighborhoods and our world. I pray this would never just be an insular thing, never a club, but always a movement of people who are mobilized for your mission in the world. So thank you, God, for placing us in this community. Help us to truly know and experience what it means to be a church family and to be a member of this body, your body, here at Shaw. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources or to donate to our teaching resource ministry or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455 Thank you for listening.